Today we celebrate Christ the King, who is King of everything. Our readings invite us to ask two questions. First, how is Christ King? And secondly, what is our role in this kingdom? When we look at today's gospel and the other passages in the other gospels, we see that Jesus is a very unusual king. First of all, in today's gospel, he's before Pilate and he's accused of a capital crime and he will eventually be put on the cross after being scourged and beaten, crucified. In the Roman Empire, crucifixion was the most demeaning, torturous way of execution, so awful that it was not allowed on a Roman citizen, only on non-citizens, especially slaves. So Jesus now is depicted as a slave on the cross. Secondly, this slave forgives because he forgives the very persons who put him on the cross. He's humble, willing to forgive the worst of sins. This is what St. Paul said in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Christ, although equal to God, did not consider equality something to be exploited, but humbled himself, becoming even obedient to death, death on a cross. Thirdly, this king is so powerful that at the very least exhibition of repentance by the other thief on the cross, he tells him, this very night you will be with me in paradise. So here we have a very unusual king who is a slave, servant of all. He forgives sins, he's generous, and he's powerful. How do we fit into this? What's our role in this kingdom? Precisely to imitate these qualities. Because when we do, when we are humble and we forgive those who hurt us, and we're generous, then we, in the spiritual realm, become very powerful and in that way share in the power of Christ the King. And I'll use as an example a wonderful novel that was written in the 19th century, probably the most famous, by Victor Hugo. It told the story, well, this was after the French Revolution, so it was a very difficult time, and there was a person who was so poor that he had to steal bread to feed his family. And he got caught. It was very strict rules back then, and he was thrown in jail, given a four-year prison sentence. And because he wanted to get back to his family, he tried to escape several times, and so the prison term was lengthened again and again. He finally got out, but then he had a criminal record and could never find a job. So again, he was stricken with poverty trying to fend for himself and his family, he resorted again to petty crimes until he met the powerful king who imitated Christ so precisely that this hardened convict, this person who had experienced tremendous torture in prison, hard labor, gave his heart to Christ. It happened in this way that this saintly bishop was walking around in the town and he saw this poor person, Jean Valjean, and he had pity on him. In humility, he invited this ex-convict into his home that night for a meal. Now he was living with his sister and 
he asked his sister to put out the finest silverware, cutlery, because he had an honored guest. After a wonderful meal, the bishop made sure that Jean Valjean saw where the cutlery was put and all the silverware. And then they went to bed for the evening and John was invited to stay overnight and he did, but of course he got up in the middle of the night and gathered all the silverware and took off. He was caught the next day by the police. The police knew, of course, that he had stolen this and they brought him back to the bishop's residence and they thought, we finally have this man. He will be in prison for the rest of his life. But a very strange thing happened. When the police knocked on the door and the bishop opened the door, the bishop said this, So here you are. I'm delighted to see you. Have you forgotten that I gave you the candlesticks as well? They are also silver. And then he hands over the candlesticks to Jean Valjean. And the police can do nothing. At that point, they leave. And here is this ex-convict face-to-face with this saintly bishop. And before the bishop lets him go, he says this powerful statement. You no longer belong to what is evil, but to what is good. I have bought your soul to save it from harsh thoughts and the spirit of damnation, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean was converted because of this experience, and he went on to live a remarkable life of generosity. He became kingly as well. So here's the example that we're invited to follow. When we follow Christ in these ways, we're humble, forgiving, we're generous, we serve others, we become very powerful in the spiritual life. And that's what Christ is inviting us to do. I'll just end this homily with a brief history of how this feast came to be, because it relates to what I've been saying. It was instituted rather recently by Pope Pius XI in 1925 at a time when the world was in crisis because there were these dictators who thought they had absolute power and it was a cult of personality in these dictators. Huge statues of them and pictures wherever you went. Mussolini had been head of Italy for three years. Hitler had just been out of prison and he was gathering strength and popularity. Communism, as well, was on the rise. And you had people like Stalin and Lenin in Russia, Mao in China, Hirohito in Japan, who they considered a deity. And these dictators brought to bear totalitarianism and communism, atheism, to such an extent that they influenced vast populations and great suffering. All the while, the world lay in a Great Depression to make matters worse. It was at this time that this saintly Pope, Pius XI, instituted this feast. And he did it to remind the world, the church, all peoples, that these dictators were not the powerful ones. It was Christ the King and those who followed him. True allegiance to Christ is what made the difference. And that's what the Pope wanted to remind everyone. Now today we have a similar situation in a way, not dictators that are so obvious, but more subtle powers. They exercise great influence. 
secular powers, great corporations that amalgamate great power in the area of technology, for example, the media. And they can be very tempted to not just report the news, but to put their own spin on that news and to create narratives, ideologies. And if we're not careful, we're able to be swayed. So here we have this feast of Christ the King, and we're called to be reminded we owe allegiance to the one who created everything out of nothing, Jesus Christ. And the way we are aligned with Christ is precisely the way the saintly bishop did. We're humble, we're generous, we forgive, and we receive the kingship of Christ. And God will work through us in that regard. So let us acknowledge that Christ reigns over every aspect of our life. Our family life, we lay down our life for our spouse and our children, serve them, not lord it over. Over our personal life, what we actually do in our private time is given over to Christ. What we watch on TV, what we look at on the computer, what we read, all that information. We make sure that we guard our eyes because we serve the king of the universe. And over our mind, that we spend the time to get to know who this king is, to pray, not to be swept aside by every wind and doctrine, but to give our hearts to the king and let him shape us. Every area of our lives, our bodies, our sexuality, all of it, we devote to Christ the King. And then, we not only participate in this kingdom, we become powerful in the spiritual realm, like the saintly bishop. And we have influence that we never, ever considered possible. And we'll only know when we come to the day of judgment. And the King of Kings says to us, well done, servant, who humbled himself, who forgave, Welcome into my kingdom, where you will experience joys forever and ever.